Farm Machinery Show is underway, and the 1.2 million square feet of exhibits is filling up with farmers from all across North America, heck, from around the world. What's the market for all this new equipment? We've got two perspectives to talk about that, and we've got to talk about what is the must-see item at this year's event. Live from the Ides of February via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we'll begin in lovely Louisville, Kentucky, with a conversation with Alan Hoskins from American Farm Mortgage. Then it's Machinery Pete, Greg Peterson, and later, Leo Bose from Harvesting Marketing. Directly following the news, Greg Henderson from Drover's Eye. Handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. Now, say hello to the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much. And welcome. Welcome to Louisville and the Mm -hmm. 2024 National Farm Machinery Show. A big thank you to Case IH for making our show from Louisville and uh, the National Farm Machinery Show possible. We'll be learning more about what is new from Case IH during today's show, including Davis. Mm Mm-hmm behemoth right behind us right now uh-huh. that has uh you know if it if it wasn't planned to be the must see item at this year's show mm-hmm. it has become the must see item at this year's show and huh. that is case's new big red combine that's sitting right behind us oh you know uh, back in uh in junior high basketball my nickname was actually the behemoth for a while oh i thought you were gonna see you say it was the must see no, no. Let's see Davis Michelson. No, it didn't take. Yeah. No, take. no. Nope. You know, I heard that it was getting around, getting around. <laughs> uh, beautiful day down here. You Is know, it? yesterday, yesterday, I was a little concerned. It felt like maybe the crowd was a little bit light. There's no concern about that today. Oh, good. No. Good. Oh, this place is jam-packed, like I said, 1.2 million square feet. And I think that it is all being used right now by uh by people that have come to check out the latest and the greatest and and the uh the innovations that help us all work smarter instead of working harder out there so that's awesome good stuff, yeah. dude good yeah, stuff all right man let's go ahead and get to the news what have you got well lots to get to here national weather service weather outlook calls for a pacific storm system pushing into the west coast locally heavy rain near the coast and heavy high elevation snowfall in the intermountain west over the next few days, a quick-hitting storm system will produce accumulating snowfall across the Great Lakes today. Hello, South Bend. And into the interior northeast on Thursday night into Friday morning. The next round of snow is expected to quickly spread from the central plains in Ohio Valley on Friday and then into the central Appalachians and mid-Atlantic Friday night into Saturday morning. Man, that's a lot to keep straight there, Chip. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, the bottom line is when you look at that National Weather Service 10-day outlook, We've got a a clearing pattern and some warm temperatures, or I should say warmer than normal temperatures, coming back into the middle of the country. Well, we've got an early look at the uh, spring forecast here. The 90-day forecast from the National Weather Service covering March through May calls for increased chances of above-normal temperatures over most of the northern half of the country, including all but the southwestern Corn Belt. There are also elevated chances for above-normal precipitation over the southeastern quadrant of the country. The extended forecast chip suggests spring planting should advance rather rapidly 
It favors yeah. early crop development. The one area of concern could be the northern corn belt. Yeah, it, it, we'll see. I mean, these these long term forecasts, I love to you never to know. get and and uh, and take a look at what they might mean for us. But we'll see. Uh, she she uh, throws us some curveballs from time to time. Indeed. Well, based on the January WASDE report, USDA projects the following for the 24-25 growing season. Corn, USDA expects planted acreage at 91 million acres, harvested acres 83.1. A national average corn yield chip of 181 uh, bushels per acre, which would produce a right. crop of 15.04 billion bushels. Let's start there. Yeah, uh, that's from the, the USDA Ag Outlook Forum. Mm-hmm. is what it is. So it's basically one guy's guess yeah. of what the 24-25 marketing year is going to look like. The first WASD for 24-25 comes in May. So, but hey, you know what? We didn't get to 3 billion bushels of corn for the carryover projection. Yeah. That makes this a little less negative than what uh, than what a lot of corn traders were looking for. Soybeans USDA looks for uh, planted acreage 87.5 million acres, harvested yep. at 86.6, national average bean yield of 52.0 bushels per acre, resulting in yep. a crop of four and one half billion bushels. Right, right. Total supplies 4.8. Yeah. Uh, you know, the total supplies of corn 17 and a quarter billion bushels. Davis, we got to find a way that we can use more of 17 and a quarter. And 4.8 before we get to the end of that 24-25 marketing year. Because yeah, we otherwise, it's just going to keep pressure on this market. There's no doubt. Well, Jeff, sparks flew at a House Ag Committee hearing as Democrats and Republicans stood their ground on farm bill differences. And USDA Secretary Vilsack defended his handling of existing programs. Vilsack immediately came under election year fire from Ag Chair G.T. Thompson, who had this to say. And what seemingly is a daily occurrence, taxpayer dollars are being sent to every corner of the country, yet nothing has changed. We're not producing more fertilizer. We're not reducing the cost of production. We're not making food more affordable. However, we are burdening the taxpayer. We're losing ground on the world stage, and we are a net agricultural importer. Mm. Yeah, uh, not what we wanted to hear. Uh, the, The farm bill debate isn't really even a debate anymore. It just keeps going. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an opportunity for for sound bites, is yes. what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly David. right. Mm-hmm. All right, good stuff, buddy. Thank you so much. Yep. Yeah, all right, let's bring in Greg Henderson, editorial director, Drovers. How you doing, Greg? Good morning, Chip. Very well, thank you. All right, talk to me about this census of ag as it comes to the beef producers. What's going on? Well, absolutely. The the number of people that have cows in America uh, running a farm with cattle is down 17%. USDA said there was about 593,000 of them. So that sounds like a, a, a big decline from yeah. 2017, and it is. But we also got to remember that drought got thrown in there. So we look at that number and, and the breakdown, and we see that most of the decline was in those smaller herds. So in 20, 2022, uh, the average herd size over all of that was 47 cows. Yeah. So it was about 43 cows the previous five years. So not a lot of change there. And those guys with uh, one to 50 cows, mm-hmm. they, there's four, there's 79% of the total, <laughs> but only 
you know, 25% of the cows, 15 cow average. So yes, there's consolidation going on. Yes. The drought had an impact. Uh, You know, I don't know. There's been some criticism of the administration and, and, you know, over this uh, regulation and so forth until they come up with a policy to help it rain. I'm not sure that that is going to change a lot. That's, (laughs) that's a great point, Greg. Great point. You know, uh, in, in all of agriculture, we take a look at it and, and the 2080 rule applies. 20% of the producers produce 80% of the product. Boy, and, it, and in the beef industry, it's 90, 10. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. And, and, and the, you know, the point with the farmers are older, the beef producers are even older than that. So yeah. there's change coming. Uh, I, I don't know what the solution is. Yeah. Well, you know, usually money provides incentive, and that provides the solution. Great, good stuff. Thank you so much. We are Thanks, Chip. at the 2024 National Farm Machinery Show at the Case IH booth. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Welcome back to AgriTalk and the 2024 National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. We are getting ready for a conversation with Alan Hoskins. But first, a big thank you to Case IH. And with that in mind, let's make time for this industry spotlight. Joining us now, Kirk Coffey, Vice President for Case IH North America. Kirk, thank you so much for speaking. supporting us down here we really appreciate it we are glad you're here yeah happy to see you sitting in front of the biggest and baddest (laughs) combine worldwide yep it's a really good crowd today i thought yesterday was a huge crowd but today seems even bigger so absolutely glad to have you here good 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 kurt talk to me about some of the trends some of the big trends the mega trends that are influencing the decisions that are being made at case ih today I think the two biggest trends probably would be labor scarcity. Um, And just to opine on that one a little bit, labor, you know, getting people that want to work and help out is certainly a challenge, but then the the skill of the labor. Mm -hmm. And so the the overlay would be more throughput, more capacity, getting, you know, bigger machines that can do more to help the operation, but then also the overlay of technology. And so automation features in our, in, in this case, combine allow a relatively unskilled laborer to jump in and be an expert. Yeah. And there are a lot of mega trends happening right now, impacting the farm gate. Those are the two big ones. Farms yeah. are getting bigger and uh, labor is a challenge. So we're solving that with the biggest and we're solving that with technology. Okay. So at case purpose, purposeful solutions and the built by farmers sure. mindset has always been, uh, it's always been part of the real world solutions that you bring to the market. Yeah, I, I'll I'll try and not over-index here, but yeah, it's who we've been for 180 years. If you look at a lot of the solutions on this lot, you will see emulation worldwide. And at the core of that, we say we're built by farmers. It's easy for me because I'm a farm kid from Southern Illinois. Most of the staff around here that work on my team came from a farm. And so at the core of the design, at the core of listening to a customer and solving their problems. Yeah. I mean, it, I said it last week to our dealer, our all dealer body, this isn't really a beauty pageant. Right. Okay. We, if it were, we win. Yeah. But <laughs> at the per, at, at the core of what we do, it's there's purpose and it's to solve what we just discussed. 
I got to get in and get out at a quicker window. Yep. I have to be more sustainable to meet this regulation. Yep. I can't get labor and the labor I get doesn't understand how to operate. And so at the core of that, there's purpose behind what we provide. And it, it could be a myriad of things, but it, at the core of that is a bunch of farm guys saying we're built by farmers trying yeah. to solve the customer's problems. Fantastic. Good stuff, Kurt. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thanks again for coming out. You bet. That is uh, Kurt Coffey, Vice President for Case IH North America. It's an impressive machine that's behind us here, isn't it, Alan? It is a very impressive machine. Yes. <laughs> no doubt. Alan Hoskin, president of the of American Farm Mortgage. How are you, man? Chip, I'm wonderful. Thank you Good. for the opportunity to be here. I'm glad that you're here. You know, it wasn't that long ago that you were on the show. We had a conversation about interest rates and the increasing interest in and belief that we were going to go through a series of interest rate cuts in 2024. Mm-hmm. Since that time, Alan, I think the market is pulling back on those expectations. We've gotten some inflation data mm-hmm. that suggests the Fed definitely still has some work to do to get inflation under control, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, yeah. there's still some work to be done. And certainly to get to their target goals, I would argue, Chip, there's a lot of work that's got to be done. Yeah. Um, is there enough work that needs to be done that <laughs> and we talked about this as a possibility what if the market is completely wrong with the attitude and and you know and fed and the fed with its messaging mm-hmm. that interest rates were were going to be going lower what if we need to see another interest rate increase before we start to take things down well certainly chip we saw a fed that was a little bit late to the party in raising interest yep. rates and uh, I believe Chairman Powell is a very bright individual. Hopefully some good lessons have been learned from that. But I think all of the rhetoric that we've heard has been predicated upon data supporting that rate justifications are going to be needed, that we're yeah. going to see a taming of inflation and that there's justification for reducing those rates. Uh, I don't think just because we hear that there are going to potentially be rate reductions, I don't think that's anything we need to be carving into a stone tablet. No. Uh, and and like I said, with the CPI data that came out earlier this week, there you combine that with the economic data that we're getting. And if you if you believe, if you trust the, the numbers that we're getting, mm-hmm. we're dealing with not just a resilient mm-hmm. economy, we're dealing with an economy that is growing mm-hmm. and with a consumer mm-hmm. that's got confidence. Mm-hmm. It, to me, that sounds like more inflation coming. Absolutely, Chip, because I think Man. sometimes we believe that numbers are numeric only. The numbers create emotions, and that's ultimately what drives the economy yeah. is the emotion of the American consumer. Right, right. You know, and the equity markets are making some of them feel like they've got reason absolutely makes them feel comfortable and they can go and feel like they can go out and spend absolutely absolutely and truthfully feeling is what drives spending it's uh, yeah. as much feel as it is economic yeah you know cash interest rate market has already shown us mm-hmm. you know real interest rates have already shown us that it's not going to be a straight down um uh market that we're going to be dealing with. Mortgage rates are already starting to tick back to the upside, aren't they? Mm-hmm. We we have seen a little bit of that. Yes, absolutely. If 
If you look at some of the three-year and five-year numbers over the past month, you've seen a ticking up in those markets and the loan rates that are based off those three and five-year treasuries. Certainly, we've seen a little bit of an increase in those. Yeah. yeah. I look at all this equipment at, at the National Farm Machinery Show. The world's biggest combine is sitting right behind us. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the price tag is on it. Uh, I know I wouldn't be able to write a check. And if I was going to buy it, I'd have to finance it. Mm -hmm. Are interest rates slowing down the interest in some of those capital investments? I think what we're seeing is folks are being more mindful of the long-term effect of the decision in making that. So I would say that the rise in interest rates have allowed producers to do a much better decision-making process before they pull the trigger. So I I think yet to answer your question directly, have some sales been mitigated because of increased interest rates without a doubt. Okay. But across the board, what I would say it's creating a more business savvy farmer or producer in making sure that that purchase, because we are talking about huge dollars, as you said, Yeah. it's causing them to make sure that that's really a good long-term acquisition for their operation. And also understanding if I do this today, what potential and, Am I giving up yeah. as a possible purchase in the next 12 to 18 months? Right, right. And you got to balance that against some of the comments that we just heard from Kurt at Case. Mm-hmm. Buying a machine like what we've got sitting right behind us mm-hmm. is you're, you're looking to solve other problems. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And labor might be one of those issues. That is absolutely yeah. correct. And that's something that I think has become much more in the mindset of producers over the past five to seven years. Right, right. Okay. How are banks doing? Chip, if you look at the data that's put out by the Federal Reserve, and specifically, let's talk about farm banks, because I think that's what what your listeners are the most interested in. If you look at the data that's come out, farm banks are in good positions for the most part. So we talk about the challenges that producers may face. Obviously, that transitions over to banks as well. Yep. And I think the same thing can be said about most ag banks today as can be said about producers. Most ag banks are in a pretty good position. And the great thing about it, the people that are financing agriculture today, I think have a very savvy knowledge of the industry. Mm-hmm. And that allows them to make better decisions for the banks because they're balancing, when you're a bank in rural America, you're financing agriculture, you're financing commercial in those towns. Yeah. But let's face it, in rural America, it's primarily driven by agriculture. Yeah. So for the most yeah. part, I would say the banks are in a good position. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some of the stress in the ag economy, you know, it, it, before ethanol really started to take off. When land prices, yeah, they were starting to push forward mm-hmm. in the first surge. And then we had that 2011 to 2013 push mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. There were enough with experience still in the industry mm-hmm. from the 1980s mm-hmm. that the new generation mm-hmm. realized, mm-hmm. I think, just exactly mm-hmm. why there's caution going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Chip, if if I had to put my finger on one thing from the banking sector that I want to kind of be mindful of is how quickly do we see the folks that have that experience from the 80s transitioning out of the industry? Because it's great to have those resources available to be able to draw on. 
It certainly is. Well, it's great to have you as a resource to draw on as well, Alan. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chip. Always enjoy being here. You bet. That is Alan Hoskins. He is the president of American Farm Mortgage. Oh, my gosh. He made it across the floor. It's hard to believe. We got Machine Repeat coming up next. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Beach, another day, more pressure on the grains. What's happening? Yeah, uh, Chip, uh, you know, the weekly corn export sales were strong, uh, mm-hmm. not not above expectations, but near the top end, and, and yet that's failing to uh, provide any support to the corn market, which continues to bleed and and posted another contract low today. So, it's you know, I sound like a broken record here every yeah. day, just new contract low, new contract low, but uh, that's the situation. USDA's initial outlook uh, for 24 yep. 25 was out this morning keep in mind these are initial projections and and they will change over the course of time but yep. um you know they, they cast kind of a negative shadow over uh, all these markets as we move forward into the new crop marketing year yeah very very true and and there's still a lot of work to do to figure out exactly what it all means all right Take us over to the livestock trade. What do we got going? Oh, kind of mixed trade in, in live cattle futures. Uh, so they, you know, they faced price pressure earlier in the week. Uh, got uh, you know lower cash cattle prices, so that kind of came as a surprise. About two dollars lower on the initial trade there, and uh, um, we're starting to see just maybe a little bit of stabilization in the futures this morning. Uh, the flip side of that is, despite the uh, weakness in the corn market, feeder cattle are under moderate yeah. to heavy pressure this morning, so they they continue to the uh, recent sell-off here. And then on the uh, hog side of things, uh, big gains yeah. yesterday, explosive gains, and, and uh, we're seeing an extension of that uh, with moderate uh, gains through the uh, summer month contracts here this morning. And uh, so um, traders, while they had been backing off on the premiums over the cash index, have decided over the past day and a half here yeah. now to really extend those premiums. All right, good stuff. Thank you, Brian. That is Pro Farmer Editor. Brian Grady on Market Snap. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed <laughs> down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. Hey, where? Yes, David. Yeah. I'm just going to say, I, you know, I am coffeeed up, but I've also had a yeah. delicious navel orange today. I sat here peeling oh. an orange. Absolutely yeah. delicious. I seriously, I, I'm, I'm ready treat. for my day. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's winter time treat. It's like having a piece of candy in the middle of winter. It really is. It really is. <laughs> navel oranges are almost as fun as navels themselves, you know? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Uh-huh. I know you. Too early? Early in the day for that? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Welcome back to Hager Talk and the 2024 National Farm Machinery Show. A big thank you to Case IH for making it possible to bring you coverage from Louisville. Um, boy, it, it we broke him away. He just wrapped up a seminar, but we've got Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete sitting right next to me how you doing buddy hey i'm doing well chip hey we're sitting right in front of the beautiful af11 combine here and i get to follow our good friend alan hoskins uh yep you know uh i'll appreciate all his knowledge and friendship over the years so doing well a lot seen a lot of friends here at the show so it's uh, always fun to be in louisville yep yep 
I'm sitting here by the, I'll admit one of the first, when I was thinking about the show for today and I knew where we were going to be yep. and I knew the machine that was going to be behind me at I've more than, more than a couple of times have thought, you know, in three, maybe four years, we're going to be talking about the used oh, price yeah. that happened at an auction on this AF 11. That's, that's what I've been doing 34 years. Yeah. We look at the shiny new one here and yeah. uh, yep. What's it going to cost? Uh, out in the used market, but uh, no, it's, I tell you, it's interesting. The used values have been so high here the last three years, you know, whether it's a new AF 11 combine or a yep. new tractor or whatever, but getting under warranty, uh, you know, actually I was just speaking in Wisconsin on Tuesday. We were leaving the, the venue there in Amory, Wisconsin. And a guy came up and said, Hey Pete, uh, how's the skid steer market? <laughs> and I was like, well, it's been really hot. And I said, are you looking? And he goes, well, I actually just bought one. And I was like, oh, what'd you buy? And he, he said he bought, uh, I think it was a Kubota, but a new one, but he said there were good incentives on it. And, uh, and he said, but the other thing he said was the used ones have been so high that it pushed him into the, to the new, to the new, right. And yeah. uh, staying under warranty is a huge, huge factor. So, Well, now there's a trend that we haven't talked about for a while, Greg. Well, actually, uh, so. We shouldn't call one event a trend. I yeah. get it. Well, that, that's something we haven't talked about. Well, skid steers, I mean, of all the categories we cover, <laughs> someone just asked me, like, what is the hottest? And that probably is right <laughs> about the top with the mid to high, some high horse tractors still doing well. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when the used values situationally over the years, they get maybe a little overheated. Yeah. So then, yeah, hey, get yourself a new one and get the warranty and uh, it, it, pencil to paper. It's a good deal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you just wrapped up your annual seminar. Yep, uh, full full house down there. Uh, what'd you learn? What did What did you learn from the seminar? Well, I, I'm just always interested in the feedback people have, and I came off the stage and got visiting uh, one with a guy from Ukraine who uh, imports, exports, used tractors, and has built quite a business. So I'm interested to learn more there. But no, I, I think uh, Chip, you know, people through the ups and downs of farming. I mean, you got a farm, you got your X number of acres, you got to get done what you got to get done. And so one thing, it stood out when you couldn't get equipment two years ago, and it's stand out now when just times get a little tighter, is you need dependable equipment. Yeah. And so the best quality used is in demand. Yeah. And right before I hopped on here with you, I was visiting with some of my new friends from Wisconsin, and they were telling me, guy has a sale coming up uh, middle of March with some like new hay equipment. And uh, it's interesting. I, I think sometimes still our Midwesternness works against us a little bit because <laughs> it was like, you know, well, my auction is with so-and-so and it's like, well, we need to let more people know about that because you have like new hay equipment. It's got a new Holland FP or a 230 chopper and a, a one owner, John, your 336 Baylor. So yeah, he's in Wisconsin, but we're in Kentucky. There'll be Kentucky people. Oh, sure. That would be interested in those items, but they got to know about it. Absolutely. And that's where we try and help with what we do at Machine Feet. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I, I've spent a little bit of time here over the past couple of weeks on machinerypeat.com researching a couple of things. Thank you for doing that. Researching a couple of things. And I'd been out there before. And because you told me to go take a look at this or take a look at, at, at that, but to actually get on there and use it, I, I'm amazed at the, information and the data that you can pull out of that thing, Craig. It's well, fantastic. Thank you, my friend. We That's why we've invested a lot of money in years yeah. with our partners at Farm Journal to hopefully, we want to make the site functional. So we don't want to make it like hoops and things to jump through. And yep. uh, 
again, one of my frustrations over the years, I call it frustration. I'm, I'm Norwegian. I try not to get too frustrated, but yeah. you know, people will say, Hey Pete, I just bought this thing. How did I do? And always happy to visit with people, but really want them on the front end. You know, obviously look at the listings for sale, all the pieces we have. Uh, but then also if you drift into the auction area, you can see well, hard cash, what people are paying yeah. and get a feel for the spread and the condition and the specs. Of course, the, I mean, we're standing here by this combine now and it's not like combines, you know, 15, 20 years ago, they're, they're so much more specialized. Does it have this? Does it have that? Makes a huge difference. And we try to compile all that so that, uh, you know, and this goes back for me, 34 years, just so be- before you make a decision, you have the best information that yeah. is possible. Yep. Yep. The, the, the other thing that I was, that I've been thinking about kind of walking around here, looking at this is the technology premium that has to come with the new equipment, because yep. you and I always talk about uh, one of the reasons that the used market is as high as it is, is, well, have you seen what the new one costs? Right. We we also have to look at it with a, have you seen what the new ones are worth? Well, again, it's about efficiency and return on investment and uh, better use of your data. Yeah. And so the investments these companies like Case IH and others are making and pushing the envelope to deliver, whether it's a sprayer or a combine we're standing next to, or the planters, my gosh, the planting yeah. technology. That's uh, So, I, I mean, I remember back to 17, 18, 19 when times were tougher doing some filming with a guy in Iowa and he just bought a new planner and it was tough. You could tell like, Oh, but he did it for the right reason. I mean, it's making him better. Yeah. And so the technology piece is huge, huge piece of this thing. And that's uh, different than when I started for sure. Yeah. Which, yeah. and again, I'm intrigued by the, the partnership aspect of the, the dealership to the farmer, uh, you know, not just, you know, moving away from selling a piece of iron to you, but really partnering with you, you know, maybe they have agronomists on staff, whatever. And the what doesn't get seen a lot is the investment the dealership level makes in their talent uh, for, on behalf of their yes. customers. Yes. And it's easy to, you know, take that for granted. But that's as times get a little tighter, that becomes even more valuable, I think. Go back to the planners. Every time that a new planner leaves that lot, good grief. Yeah, the amount of it, the work is just getting started on getting that thing ready for the field. Yeah, it really is optimizing. Yeah, I mean, if you can be a quarter of a percent better, more precise. I mean, we're talking about changing the whole deal here, As right? You, and then to come come around the end of the summer when you're out on a crop tour, and you see the data that you see tying that back to the planter the guy has. Was yeah. it a new planter? Was it a retrofit? Uh yeah. It, you, when you start connecting all those dots. And that's what I appreciate about your listeners, uh, the farm ownership, is they're striving to get better all the time. Mm-hmm. And they're not sitting still. And uh, that's not, well, life's not about sitting still. Life is about pushing forward. Yep. Yep. You know, now the, the, the crowd here, mm-hmm. they love iron. Okay. They do. I, they absolutely love it. But you can also see the love for the technology that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. This is a group down here that, that uh, uh, they're willing to adopt mm-hmm. and they're willing to learn the new technology that comes along with it. Absolutely. I mean, go back to GPS. Yeah. You know, yeah. Any new technology change is hard. We're human. I'm 58. I'm a Norwegian. I don't like change, right. but you know what? Dang it. If it makes me better, 
I, I might be a little, uh, but show me, prove to me it's better. Yeah. And that's why farmers, uh, you know, when I go to auctions and, uh, and people talk, hey, what are you doing? What are, what are you seeing? What results? And so that's just farmers being farmers, you know, gathering up the best intel they can get. And they, when they come down here and, you know, visit with you guys and, uh, you know, Case IH and all the others, they're, they're, they're being sponges. What yeah. can we take home to make us better? And so it's really fun. Uh, to be involved in this in this industry. Yeah. Okay. Just a couple of minutes left. Uh, what's the best conversation you've had so far? Well, the best conversation I had. Okay. So last year at the show here, uh, one of the manufacturers, well, we'll stay colorblind here, but they okay. brought in a tractor from the eighties with hardly any hours on it. I remember. Okay. Yeah. And I knew well, first time I saw it, I was like, okay, well, that's going to be I mean, we're standing here next to an AF eleven, and as we're talking, people are taking pictures and stuff, yeah. like leaning in. But I, I like the, the connection to the older with the newer. That lean forward we just talked about with the connection to the past. And I met the guy whose tractor that is from Kentucky. Yeah. And he invited me to his farm. So I'm going to be going out and hopefully getting telling the story of how this tractor has no hours on it. And uh, he told me he was offered on the spot last year at the show 250000 bucks for this tractor. <laughs> That's, I think, a 1988 model. That'd have to be some kind of a record or something. That would be a record. <laughs> that would be a re machine repeat record. Machine repeat by the day. Uh, yeah, so that's that one jumps to the top, but just so many nice people. Small. Actually, right before we hopped on, I was in uh, Amory, Wisconsin on Tuesday, and I just talked to the guy I talked to on Tuesday. He came down. No kidding. And uh, the good thing there is it snowed back home tonight, so we both got out of Dodge before it snowed. Yeah. So we feel for our yeah. wives and relatives, but we're here in sunny Louisville. We're Familiar at faces down here, aren't yes. they? Yep. That's yep. the thing that... Good. I've been coming down to the National Farm Machinery Show for a lot of years, and there are familiar faces. Well, and no doubt. People, uh, they're happy to see you doing your thing down here, and uh, they're all, hey, thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. Thanks, buddy. That is Greg Peterson. Machinery Pete, we're going to learn about the AF-11, the world's biggest combine, next here on AgriDoc. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk and the 2024 National Farm Machinery Show down here in Louisville, Kentucky. Big thanks to Case IH for making it possible for us to bring you coverage. With that in mind, let's go ahead and make time for this industry spotlight. Joining us now is Leo Bose. He is the Harvesting Marketing Lead. And Leo, you may be the guy that everybody at this show wants to talk to. How are you? It's been a fun and, wow, wild couple days here, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The AF-11, it, there it is, right behind us here. It, it is a behemoth. It uh, is everything that I expected it to be when, when I was reading about it more. Leo, tell me about it. Yeah, it's really built on three pillars. Our customers have said, how do I get more capacity, that technology, but then keep me in the field running? And we have what we call a customer-driven product definition, our process. So we're trying to solve solutions for customers. And the AF-11 just delivers on that. So a total ground-up redesign. Yeah. So when you look at this machine and you get a chance to get around it, I call it from header to spreader. 
totally reimagined what we're doing with harvesting. Now it's all about capacity. So it's built with that in mind. And we start up at the front with an all new cornhead lineup. So it's okay. C500 series cornhead. Yep. So, you know, in the corn and soybean, you know, country that we work in and looking at flowing rates of over 7,000, 8,000 bushel an hour, <laughs> uh, you know, this machine will deliver on it, but it starts with that header. So we have to pick cleaner, have to pick faster and that C500 series delivers on that. As you walk through the machine though, you know, we take little areas and, you know, we have rotary combine technology that over the last 46 to 47 years, we've been able to perfect it. And when you look at what we need to do, we need to create a nice thick crop mat. So that feeder house is totally redesigned. So okay. now it's wider, but we can also bring that feeder drum up. So now we have more crop on crop movement. So we're not having the cracks and brokens and the nicks. So then okay. we bring it up through a synchronized feed system. So we're actually feeding at a synchronized rate with our rotor speed into that main threshing area and separating area. Wow. So that's how we really keep that grain quality through. And then we increase, so it's dual rotor, so 24 okay. inch diameter. So we use crop on crop threshing, and now we can get that grain now separated. And we come now down to a new cleaning system called the Crossflow Plus cleaning system, which is totally redesigned. We used to have three sieves, now we have four main sieves. <laughs> so we're taking all that capacity, right? Matching it from one system to the next. And taking that grain over to our clean grain elevator, that clean grain elevator is capable of up to 10,000 bushel an hour. Now, we're not going to do that with right. the, the combine, but you can see the capacity and then getting up to that huge grain tank, 567 bushel, and we'll unload at a six bushel per second unload rate. So <laughs> if you're up in the cab... You're talking yeah. numbers, Leo, that yeah. I don't think we've never heard them before. Quarter mile, half mile fields, you know, yields that we're pushing today, 250, right? Yeah. 270, you know, that grain tank to get that unloaded in a hundred seconds, right? With that six bushel per second unload rate, it's all about productivity of getting that cart back to the semi, you know, it's all efficiencies and that's really driving that. You know, it, it, some of this sounds like we did it because we can, that, that, that I, I understand how you guys operate. And if you weren't told that this was needed in the field, you wouldn't be doing it. Exactly. It's it's really solving the problems because customers are saying, hey, how can you keep me on roll longer? How can I carry more? Yeah. Uh, how can I do more, more capacity, more acres in a day? So that really is then you have to upsize all the systems. So yeah, the power plant, 775 horsepower. So we reimagine the drive line, a system Good within it. Yeah, it's all in line drives. So trying to reduce total cost of ownership as well. So, you know, used to be, we used to run the engine at 2,100 RPM. This machine, the AF11 will run right around 1,900. Now it's only 200 RPM, but that savings allows us to save on fuel as well. And we're, we're actually setting up for success for next year's crop. If you look at the residue system behind this, we use radar spread automation. <laughs> So radar, yeah. So how plans lane today, right? With radar. Yeah. Right? We're taking now on the left hand and right hand side, we have radar sensors that is actually sensing how we're throwing or spreading the residue. So now think about this. Is it so, just on the fly? Just on the fly automatically. So Stop it. yeah. So radar spread automation. So oh we automated the process. So we're setting ourselves up for success for next season's crop this year, meaning we're looking at that nice uniform right across that full spread. So, yeah, whether it's sunny, windy, dusty, it'll penetrate through, right, any of that. I'm sure that you've worked with some growers in the development of this. 
not asking for any specific names, but I want a reaction from that one guy that you were watching when he got in the cab of this thing. What was the reaction? Well, one that sticks out for me and getting up in the cab, running with producers, looked over with this big grin. And the one word was, wow. Yeah. Right. It was, you know, coming from a previous machine. And, and we've had a number of these machines throughout U.S. and Canada, as well as down in Australia. In fact, Australia just finished up harvesting. So, you know, to hear that, wow, and you hit it. And every time that they go through a new experience in the cab, whether it's the unload rate, the automation for machine or spreading, you know, 50 foot up in Canada and looking at the residues that they have. And they're like, wow. And one of the customers said, you nailed it. And I'm like, yeah, perfect. I mean, that's a testament to our engineering team, product validation team of making sure we're doing what we're doing. Okay. You mentioned the head that's going on, on on the front end here. Uh, What makes it new? What makes it different? Yep. Starting from the divider point all the way through. So the hood, the row unit, we look at the gathering chains, the deck plates, um, all that's been redesigned. We're trying to save more grain, right? And it starts yep. up with that corn head. So that deck plate is an area that we've really looked at it. We don't include any springs, but we now have a cushion feature that allows that, you know, cob to now cushion and get into the cross auger, large cross auger, 24 inch diameter, allowing more crop on crop movement. The, the number that I'm still trying to process is 7,000 to 8,000 bushel an hour. You put 10 hours in, in a day on this thing the bins fill up in a hurry yeah you, you kind of find where you're right where you're gonna have to add capacity trucks right yeah it's uh yeah it reimagines what you're gonna do right for fall harvest you grain cart drivers thought you had an issue before you better you better step it up guys step yep, it up leo bet. fun conversation thank you so much you bet jim thanks all right that is leo bose harvesting marketing lead thank you so much for listening this morning thanks to case ih for the sponsorship down here at the national farm machinery show i'm traveling this afternoon davis has got a conversation with Dwayne bussey from bolt marketing here on agritalk